0: we are live sir
1: all right everybody this is episode 29 of the beef and bitcoin podcast with your hosts brett and ch today's topics uh looks like we have some china news this past week our our good friends over at zero hedge (laughs) uh we're talking about some uh chinese banks and a little bit of a liquidity crisis um which is also coinciding with a report on Bitcoin from the Bank of China. So a little bit, a little coincidental there. And then, last but not least, our good friends over at the IMF put out a paper in uh, April of of this past year, basically as a guide on <laughs> uh, negative interest rates for dummies. Is pretty much the way I saw it. Uh, you know, I read the abstract. And it's, um, yeah, basically just a play-by-play on how to implement negative interest rates. So a lot going on, a lot in the Bitcoin world from a macro perspective. But, you know, first and foremost, man, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Uh, this, this whole, I'm just going to put it straight forward, negative rates are really dumb. I'm
0: just going to leave it out there. We're going to cover it later. But I'm just sick and tired of seeing people advocate for negative rates because it's like, Basically, it means any money in the bank just gets taken away from you. It's your wealth getting taken away, um, and it's only going to get worse if people let it continue to happen. And I feel that the people, the people, the figureheads, the pundits, whatever in power, really don't realize the implications of what will happen if we continue to use negative rates. It basically yep. means the people who are, you know, the the borrowers are getting paid. It's that simple. Versus the <laughs> lenders, it's really stupid. It's, it's like it's like what.
1: Yeah. When I hear people, uh, you know, and we'll get into this, but when, when I, when I do hear people kind of encourage this type of behavior, uh, you know, you just really have to wonder, are you thinking about this clearly? Like it shouldn't make sense. Mm. I understand why it's happening, but it doesn't, it really doesn't make any sense. So we're completely upside down here, but which is honestly not that big of a surprise, right? Yeah, I mean, like, a
0: great, perfect example is I think this week, again, the whole of the Switzerland year, yield curve for their government bonds is now negative. And that means all the way out to the 50-year bond. So you could loan someone say a, or you could buy $100,000 worth of bonds and you're losing money on that in 50 years. It makes no sense. Like you're taking a risk there that you should be getting paid for it. It, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. I just don't. But you know, people are complacent, and they're just—you should be more open-minded. <laughs> you should be more open-minded. Yeah, it's like, and it, it, it makes me worried because, it's like, if we get negative rates in the U.S., it's like I'm—I will not have a dime in the bank because why would I do that? It's stupid. I mean, we're already losing. We're already losing because of inflation. I don't want to lose more.
1: Right, precisely. All right, why don't we jump into this Chinese bank liquidity crisis here that Zero Hedge was talking about? Yeah. And it basically says
0: Chinese bank with hundred billion in assets is about to collapse. Um, and back in May, there was the, I'm going to pronounce this so wrong, but it is the Baosheng bank, BC BSB um, was seized by the government. Basically the first takeover of a commercial bank since the high end development bank 20 years ago, uh, the people's bank of China, PBOC, panicked and injected a whopping 250 billion yuan in, via open market operations um, into the mar- you know, into the markets to add liquidity, you know, to basically, you know, calm people down. And again, it's like, we've, we were talking about this before podcast. It's like, you know, when, when are we going to get a black swan event? And this, this could be it. Um, I think we, we were, we are ripe for one, you know, where, and as we were talking before, it's like in 2008, and I, I know we've said a hundred times this podcast, but people understand it's like, like the Fed, the the head of the Treasury, whatever, they all met up in a weekend. I can't remember exactly in September two thousand eight because on Monday the banks weren't going to open. There was going to be no no loans, no nothing. That means all business dead, everything dead. Like literally everything, it would it would have killed business completely. You know, besides for people using cash or whatever, um, and it's it's scary because it's like yeah, okay, it might not get bad this week, might not get bad next month, but like what happens twelve months from now? You know, where are we going to be? And July of 2020, you know, are we gonna, you know, if we gonna come off like a weekend like now, we're recording on a Sunday and Monday morning? Oh wait, banks aren't lending to each other. No one can pull out of ATMs. No one can, you know, send wires, etc. You know, that's a huge issue, and that will completely stop our financial system. Everything we do, basically.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking about this, and we were talking about it before we started recording you know what does that what does the equivalent weekend look like you know fast forward to 2019 2020 um you know what stops working over the weekend um what's happening globally right so now you're seeing liquidity issues for chinese banks and there was a pretty long list of chinese banks that delayed their disclosure of their 2018 annual reports which um is definitely concerning, especially considering some of them have a pretty large balance sheet. And um, that's, that's very telling, you know, that that would be considered a red flag, right? You're, you're sitting there and you have banks delaying the reporting issues. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it seems scary. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this right now and
0: I count 19 big banks and that says at the bottom aggregate city or, and whatever, rural commercial banks and it says 64,000, 64,000, 64,543 be exact. So I don't, I, that's also very scary, but the Baoxing bank was the one that got taken over in um, May and that had 576 billion won in assets. And so that would put it at like an 80, what, something The conversion rates right around like just below seven. So somewhere around $80 billion worth of assets, that's a lot of money. Bank of Jinzao is over a $100 billion. It's at 723 uh, Chinese yuan. And these are all the banks. There's 19, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see them that haven't released their annual report. And um, a little bit down, you scroll down, you find out that Ernst and Young, who is doing, were the auditors. It was Ernst Young's, Huaming, Limited Liability Partners, and then Ernst and Young's have resigned from um, Jinzao. And Jinzao is like Hong Kong listed shares or Series H shares were, uh, I think, frozen is the correct term in April. Like they weren't allowed to trade, and this is a big deal. Like, so if they're resigning, it's kind of similar to what's been going on with like Tesla. It's kind of similar to what's been going on Deutsche Bank when executive turnover is very high and people are leaving the company because they can see it from the inside. Um, and the same thing you're probably seeing with Ernst and Young here. They probably see the numbers and they're like, "Fuck this." See ya um and it's scary because it, it might start over in china but then it you know it will spread just like 2008 where it spread it across the globe and it was everyone then you know and it, it considering how fast you know everything moves nowadays it won't take long
1: right and i think since we're the i guess the economy is working on borrowed time right um the whole legacy financial system is interconnected and fiat money kind of connects them all. And you have currency wars, you have, um, the red flags, the light warnings of potentially, you know, uh, rocky times ahead. And then you have Bitcoin on the other end of the spectrum. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, but I feel like each and every week, You know, we're just taking a couple steps back and looking at this big puzzle from a macro geopolitical standpoint. And it's like the perfect storm. And uh, I think somebody had mentioned uh, that Brendan Bernstein, you know, somebody asked him, if you could come up with a scenario of how the world is working, that would be bullish for Bitcoin. And he was like, I can't think of a better scenario than the way things are right now. You have just money printing for decades. You have yield curves, inverting negative interest rates. Um, you have Ernst and Young auditing, uh, deciding to, you know, resign from this. It, it's just, and then you have the same thing from, uh, as you mentioned, executive turnover from, uh, large companies. It, it it's it is like we're putting together a little puzzle and i mean it's a shitload of fun because i feel like you're watching it play out it happens like in slow motion but super fast at the same exact time which is kind of weird
0: yeah and to kind of go on your point there with the bitcoin thing yes this is good for bitcoin but it is also bad and when i mean it's bad is because what is it like we're less than one percent of the population even owns bitcoin or you know has access to it or whatever you know, as an access, I mean, has an account set up that can buy it, like, tomorrow or right now. Um, the issue right. is, is yeah. as if we've talked about before, is if the banking system stops working, well, that just, that kills all the fiat on-ramps onto Bitcoin. Um, and if we get to a point where, you know, big banks are like, well, we don't want people buying Bitcoin, and they just close off all routes like um, they did with credit cards and other things, and certain banks don't allow, don't allow you to buy Bitcoin Things could get very interesting in that, you know, then how, you know, are people going to do buy Bitcoin with cash through local Bitcoins or other things? That's going to be very interesting.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. If you think, if you think about it and you make the assumption, okay, there's, um, there's a possibility that you're going to have banks across the globe that will deny access to the on ramps of Bitcoin, whether that be because of, you know, systemic collapse or just to, you know, to stop the bleeding, um it's totally possible. And I think definitely expected, which is another thing to think about because <laughs> you, it's better to have Bitcoin before you need it. Right. Um, you in, in this example, you can't buy it after the fact, everything's already fucked. Um, so I think that's a nod to think about that very carefully. You know, are you, are you going to wait until things get really bad and then you can't get your hands on enough, enough sats to get you through a, a rough, a rough patch or do you, um, how do you handle that? Right. But it, but it's a good point because if things aren't going so hot, you'll, and you have a very, very small minority of the population globally onboarded on a Bitcoin, um, Probably not the best circumstance to try to bootstrap a new money you'd want uh, More adoption Prior to a collapse like that to make the transition much easier Um, and I think the incentives will hopefully be as such that in the event of a collapse uh, That would be the demand will be super fucking high for Bitcoin so People will, um, individuals who work at you know, certain places will do what they can to make um, Bitcoin available. So hopefully that uh, ends up playing out. And I have a feeling it will, but it's a, but it's a very valid point.
0: Yeah, and it, it's just one of those things that's like we don't realize how fragile the financial system is. and You really have to look into what happened in 2008 and realize how fun, fragile the society we live in. Like it's really fragile. And I, I know we already probably mentioned it, but if like, if for whatever reason, it's, it's Sunday right now, but it's Monday in other places, but if tomorrow morning for a reason, banks stop lending, everything stops happening. You know, business, there's no more business loans. There's, you know, um, wires, you name it. Um, you know, ATMs, people pulling out money because people can't pull out money to go pay for things. It's just, it's a whole shit show. And I, I'm always, I would be really curious how that affects things like Venmo, uh, Cash App, Zelle, etc., because those are all tied in the bank system too. You know, um, so there's so many things that are intermingled in this, you know, even like Apple pay shit. There's so many things um, that it's really interesting. And the, the problem is it's inevitable because we haven't changed shit from 2008 and 2009. Um, and it's unfortunate. All we've done is left the, the whole world said, fuck it. We're going to level lever up more. Um, and that's why we got insane real estate prices. That's why we got stocks at all time highs. Um, that's why the majority of the world's at low, or basically at negative rates. Everyone's basically negative rates when you talk about real rates. Um, because if you use the real CPI calculation from prior to 1980, the U.S. has been, um, you know, the real consumer price index has been inflating at 6 to 12%, not whatever it is, like 2 2.5%, two whatever they say it is. Um, and that changes the whole face of things.
1: Yeah, I mean... When you really think about it, um, the inflation rate is just way higher than it is told to to us. You know, you have you have inflation in medical costs, you have inflation in real estate, you have inflation in education costs, you have inflation on your meat, your eggs. I mean, everything. Even you know, I just got my haircut this past weekend. Guy raised the price five bucks. It was like a decent increase, kind of out of nowhere. And that's when I. Uh, what was, what was the original that, price? Well, you know, I'm in I'm in California, so haircuts are expensive. It's like so well, wait, forty so, bucks. <laughs> so it was well, yeah, yeah. It used to be thirty, and I would give the guy a ten dollar tip because I'm you know not a an asshole, and uh, and then now it's thirty five, but I'm still gonna give him forty anyway because like I've been giving you forty this whole time. Like fuck, man, I, am I really gonna pay forty bucks or more than that for a haircut? It's like insane. It's <laughs> Is insane. it really that much? Yeah, that's yeah, insane. Yeah. So, like it's thirty five. I mean, yeah, like
0: yeah. I think about the last time I got my haircut cut uh here, and like you could probably get one for fifteen or whatever, twenty somewhere, depending on you know. If I I usually tip like like at least back home I would have like a sixteen dollars haircut and always tip like four bucks or whatever. Yeah, but here I mean the haircut's like twenty five. One place I go to, but that's just because it's more like ooh, we're special people. And even though it's not yeah, it's yeah. a barber shop, but
1: right, the, yeah. I mean, don't get wrong. Yeah. Hey, the, I understand you got to charge what you got to charge. I'm not I'm not really complaining about it, but. I don't want anybody to tell me that we don't have any inflation because it happens very quickly. It's not like the guy's been increasing his price from 30 bucks to 31 to 32 to 33 over, you know, every once a quarter he raises it a dollar. No, it happens all at once. You get the huge increase that, you know, maybe they should have been getting over the years and then everybody has to deal with it. You know, I, I know the ribeyes that I were buying went up 10%. I mean, that's a lot. It's, Oh, it's just a dollar. Well, yeah, fuck man. Like it's still a lot when you think about it as a percentage basis. Mm -hmm. Um, so systems like the price mechanism gets out of whack when interest rates are manipulated. Right. So the, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And it's nice because when we talk about these things, we can identify the root cause. It's not rocket science. Like it's clearly the, 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 system of money that we're using, right? You know, it's fiat money, it's fractional reserve banking, it's manipulation of interest rates, this boom bus cycle that's, you know, created by ridiculous credit expansion. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not, it's not a mystery. What is a mystery is how, <laughs> how does it end? You know, you have these boom and bust cycles roughly every decade, you know, for the last four or five, yeah. give or take. Um, so it's like, now we're getting close to like the end of that rubber band at least it's it it's felt like that for the last year oh for my me God. yeah like I've, I've been waiting like every week i'm like here we go here we, and then well, you know December, it just never december was
0: over i thought we were i thought we were done in december i was like well, fuck. So i, I, I so was so like did. i was like well that's it i was like i was like everything is falling off a cliff right now like it mm-hmm. was in, in in bitcoin perfectly mirrored you know again we talk about you know did Bitcoin pump because of more liquidity be driven in driven the system? Because we went from 3K to, you know, 14K. And we, we um, the Bank of China, you know, basically inject the system. Was a tr- just under a trillion dollars, something like that, in yep. December? That's what saved the market. That's the reason stocks globally bounced there. Because, like, everything was shitting the bed. And it, looked, it literally looked like it was over. And I remember I was... Um, because so I was very active in the markets and I was watching every day. Like, you know, we that Christmas Eve, like half day of trading, holy shit. Yep. It was like, wow. I remember. I was like, wow, that's it. I was like, we opened up in the 26th, we went lower and then everything bounced. I mean, everything bounced and I get it. Like we were super oversold, but everything bounced and then it was just unrelenting from there. I mean, we've had one of the greatest melt-ups I've ever seen, bar none. It'll be interesting to see you know, the hard thing is, is stocks will continue to go up. And actually, this is a pretty interesting from what I've read. You want to be in stocks when there's hyperinflation. Like when I've been reading about like the Weimar Republic, like stocks went ridiculous because people are putting money and people are just able to buy stocks and the prices just keep going up. Obviously, on that flip side too, consumer prices are going up. The price of bread, the price of meat, you know, price of eggs and butter, you know, cheese, et cetera, is going up. Um, and we see it at the grocery store. The grocery store is the biggest, greatest example. Like you buy two things at the grocery store, it's like shit, 10 bucks at least. Like you can't go buy it. Right. If, if I go buy eggs and bacon, just like a, a pack of bacon and eggs, uh, it's like, well, seven bucks and the eggs are pretty cheap. But if there's a dozen eggs, that's not that much for me because I eat a lot. But the point is, is you really can't not spend at the grocery store. Like even like, and I, I don't eat cereal anymore, but like you look at a box of cereal, it's like five bucks. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Right. It's not like, uh, it's not like that's cheap anymore. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And you think, well, I don't mean to tell you off, but you think about people who work in the U S and like minimum wage at $7 and 50 cents or wherever it is, depending on where you live, If you're working at $7 and 50 cents. Okay. You would have to work, you know, 45 minutes to be able to buy a box of cereal. Yeah. It sucks. It is pretty crazy. Um, should we jump into that Bank of China BTC
1: report from here? Nice little transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, you know it's a little coincidental. Um, <laughs> the Bank of China posted a somewhat of a bullish article or report on Bitcoin, and while it's obviously, I can't read the entire thing <laughs> it, from, <laughs> from from. I think going through, I think you
0: said this the other day, and I could not. I was just like I gave up. Like I opened it up, and I was like, okay. It's all yeah, in Chinese.
1: According, according to going through some of the thread, it seems like it was giving an explainer on why the price is going up, um, some of the things that make it valuable. And that, you know, now you have the federal, you know, the chairman of the Fed, you have Powell saying, you know, it's a speculative store of value. Yeah. 100% correct. Yo, our boy Justin's
0: son made it. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Dude, apparently he like got sick and disappeared for a few weeks or whatever. He was yeah, he canceled
1: his lunch with Warren, and then he and then he live streamed that he was in San Francisco and Tron like pumped like crazy, and uh, yeah, the whole thing's a mess. Uh, <laughs> people love shit coins, but um, yeah. So now you have Bank of China putting out a positive report. The fact that they're putting out a report at all, I think, is is good news. And that's actually one of the things I was thinking about today was. Just how they say, you know, any press is good press that is 100% the case for Bitcoin Um, Especially when you have uh, The the Bank of China who you would assume Would not take very kindly to Bitcoin and and hasn't historically with um, banning it and so forth but That's an interesting report because if they understand it and can see why it's valuable I think it could be a new lever for them to pull in the currency wars that we're kind of seeing now. So if you are China and you want to take advantage of the next, you know, government debt is just out of control. If you want to make your way out of this, um, do you, do you hedge into Bitcoin and not tell anybody? I mean, if, if it were me, I'd say, yeah, fuck, of course. Um, maybe, maybe they've been mining, um, a few percent of the coins for the last couple of years solo. I mean, there's no way to know it's mining's anonymous. We will never know. Um, but do you think that we're going to see as the currency wars continue, um, countries start using Bitcoin kind of as a weapon in these currency wars?
0: That's a good question. I mean, um, we you know we always forget war. War changes in general, and obviously, economic warfare is a huge part of what the U.S. does today, and other countries do obviously too. But the U.S. dominates it because we wield we wield the dollar, which is the best weapon ever, really. Um, it's right. crushed, it just crushes countries. But it's just it's so much different because technology has changed the whole perspective of warfare now it's you know who can shut down whose energy grid and, you know right i mean because right. that's what everything is like oh well if that country's computers don't work their whole their whole battle plans aft i mean
1: <laughs> no, no no it's true so i think that you know bitcoin changes the equation a bit because the greatest weapon that one uh one group has is starting to maybe lose its power a little bit. Right. I mean, you have, uh, not everybody wants to trade oil in dollars. Right. And, and we're seeing that I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see, you know, more base currencies being used with oil. I mean, that makes sense. And the reserve status of the dollar is going away slowly but surely. Um, so how do you transition yourself to take advantage of, a move away from a move to the next reserve currency, I guess is the best way that you can put it. Right. Cause while I think it's going to be a Bitcoin, it could be anything. Um, so how do you, how do you adapt? And I, when you, when you see reports like this, it's like, well, clearly you you get it, you get it enough to put out the report. Um, I think it just changes the equation a bit. Yeah. It,
0: it's just, it's really is a different thing. Like, um, if the U.S., you know, and obviously U.S. and China are on a naval collision course. It's just, a, you know, a rising power challenge and the status quo power. Um, how it turns out, it, it's probably eventually ends in some sort of bloodshed. I don't think we're past it. I think people think we're past it, but we're not. There's still a lot of wars going on in the world. It's just not as the same scale as we've seen in the past in terms of, Complete total. I mean, well, there's still is total destruction of a lot of cities in the Middle East and other areas in Africa, um, but like World War One, World War Two style, where leading into World War One, people just never thought that could happen, and I think we've been kind of living in this, not dystopia, but this kind of utopia where we haven't had any serious, you know, uh, intervention in our lives, especially in the U.S., like due to outside forces, you know, if that makes any sense
1: no yeah I mean I definitely get it I definitely get it and I think it's you know it I don't know I, I I have this weird optimism that the trend if if you think about money just as a product and a technology uh no different than a smartphone or you know refrigeration or electricity or The printing press or the internet like that zero to one innovation that game fucking changing innovation things got better after the fact you know it's a good thing that we have plumbing it's a good thing that we have refrigeration it's a good thing that we have vaccines the internet electricity you know all that stuff and when you think about bitcoin as a technology like that while the transition to a new technology might not be perfect for everyone um in the in the long term it's very beneficial for human civilization it's like a i think i heard trace mayer say it's like a a once in a species event which kind of blew my mind that was like a very powerful statement when he said that and i was like oh man like you you might be right about this we've created humans have designed a way to create digital scarcity and it's set in stone. There's no way to change it. All of a sudden you have um, the hardest asset on the planet. And that is pretty crazy because um, nothing is truly scarce except Bitcoin and our time. Uh, You know, now you're gonna be mining gold on asteroids so that, you know, that's done right there. Um, If you think long term, um, we can always produce more of anything else but time and Bitcoin. So what kind of like ripple effect and implications does that have? And while the transition could be bumpy for, for some, I think for most, it won't end up being as bad, but I I mean, that's the fun part. Like, that's what we're speculating on. You know, we're going to live through it no matter what, like it's going to happen. You're going to see things change. They will not be the same as they were. Yeah. Um, I just want to live to
0: 2100. That's all.
1: Yeah, dude, that would be sweet. Hey, we might.
0: Yeah, considering I mean, hopefully our health healthcare system is a little better. But yeah, <laughs> pretty it'd be pretty whack. I mean, we're talking about at least hundred. Yeah, shoot for a hundred. Um, be like uh, what's his name, John D. Rockefeller. He died at like ninety nine in like six months or something like that, which is crazy. I mean, you think about what he lived through. I know we're getting a little off topic here, but he was born in eighteen thirty nine, I think, if i remember correctly. And he lived till either nineteen thirty seven or thirty eight. It was either he was born in thirty eight and died in thirty seven. But like the transition his life went through from like settler living in the Midwest, you know, to the the oil boom in the eighteen you know seventies post Civil War, and then obviously becoming this giant you know monopolist with the biggest fortune in the world. I mean. And then, you know, seeing planes and, you know, cars take off too.
1: Right. And seeing some wild shit.
0: I mean, in like, you know, think about TVs, <laughs> movies, radio, all that for him, lights, electricity. Like, and then the, the craziest thing to me is like, what people don't realize is like, yeah, sure. um Standard Oil got broken up in whatever it was, thirteen nineteen thirteen, And that day that happened, John D. Rockefeller's playing golf. He he got into golf when he was older. Like this is after his, like after his sixty. there's biography, he got into golf and became a very avid golfer. And he was playing with some priest or whatever. And when he when he found out the news from like the, the telegram wire or whatever he got or the message he got in the golf course, he's like he told them to buy as much as he can. Of told the priest buy all the stocks. That, you know how they get split up because it was like split split like Exxon Mobil. Uh, what are the other companies? There's so many more companies I can't even think off the top of my head that are all, were all standard oil that were split up. And he became infinitely much wealthier with the auto boom. I mean, it's incredible.
1: Right, I mean, and, and even the automobile, if you think the people were not happy about the transition from horse to automobile. Automobiles were too slow, they were dangerous, they were a fad. Um, like, I, you hear the same excuses about a ton of stuff. You heard it was the same thing with the internet, and you're hearing the same thing um, with Bitcoin. Which is nice because I, uh, it means there's money to be made there. It means that some people aren't um, understanding and valuing Bitcoin the way that maybe they should, which is good for you and me, right? We can, we can sit here and speculate on it and say, oh, you know, I'm trying to do my homework on, you know, if I were speculating on something that was going to become money that is a good money, you can, you can make that call and you can buy some Bitcoin and get some exposure and take advantage of people thinking it's bullshit, which is great. Yeah, so I pulled up a picture.
0: In 1911, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that standard oil trust must be dissolved under the Sherman Antitrust Act and split into 34 companies. Uh, and this is just showing the key companies, but, you know, it's really really split into standard oil of Kentucky, standard oil of California, New York. And that's where you, yeah, standard oil of California became Chevron um, in, well, in 1931, eventually became Chevron at the end but it's crazy how many companies acquired the Texas oil down there. I can't think of a T stand for it. Um, but then you got Mobil, which became Exxon when those two merged in 1999. I and mean, it's absolutely crazy. And then Amic I remember seeing them when I was very young, the Amoco science when I was very young, but it was acquired by BP in 1998, mm. which makes sense why I stopped seeing them at a very young age. Um, and then even here, you know, standard oil of Ohio became marathon. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really crazy. Um, I know we're a little off topic here but just it just blows my mind like that he his empire was fucking massive Pardon my language but it was just absolutely mind-boggling you know
1: yeah i mean i think you know you might have people telling stories 50 years from now or 20 years from now about uh the Winklevoss being, you know, Bitcoin moguls. Like, oh, they got in. You know, you know what I mean. Like, you're there, literally laying the plumbing and the and the, uh, you know, building the railroads, building this, building that. Like, it's the same. You're building the infrastructure of what was the United or is the United States. Um, and all of these businesses, assuming Bitcoin becomes humongous, you have these same families taking their. Taking their shot at it and laying the groundwork and the infrastructure, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, um, it's just, you know, where are we heading? You know, the um, the Wink I just, I think the Winklevoss brothers did side with the Libra coin. Am I wrong on that? I feel like they were.
1: I'm not sure. I didn't check to see if Gemini was uh, supporting I <laughs> Libra. Just, I don't even think they care. They own one percent of all the Bitcoin. They, I mean, they're they're good. They're good. Um, <laughs> I mean speaking of this, we should just jump into negative rates because yeah,
0: definitely it's insanity. I know we covered it at the very start, but I was about to go off on a tangent so I had to cut myself off,
1: yeah, um,
0: you want so you can much- talk about the paper because you read it
1: yeah i mean i i I didn't read the whole thing i I went through a couple of threads that people were talking about. I was looking at the abstract of the paper. Um, Yeah. So pretty much IMF put out a paper in April that is a guide on how to fight recessions with negative interest rates. Um, And I I wrote down a quick excerpt here from the abstract and it says the experience of the Great Recession and its aftermath revealed that a lower bound on interest rates can be a serious obstacle for fighting recessions. That would be zero. However, the zero lower bound is not a law of nature. It is a policy choice. The central message of this paper is that with readily available tools, a central bank can enable deep negative rates whenever needed, thus maintaining the power of monetary policy in the future to end recessions within a short time. What do you think about that? Bullshit.
0: <laughs> That's the, I, I, like, and I said this before, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing negative rates. It, it's insanity. You know, it'd be like, okay, I put, let's say you put $10,000 in the bank account on January 1st and you come back a year later. And since you have negative 1% rates, you know, you lose what, 100 bucks? Great. You just lost 100 bucks. Now you have 9,900. And then you have to think about that's compounding against you, too. You know, uh huh. And as there's a comment from Nick Savo, you put here, and Nick Savo, if you don't follow him, follow him on Twitter. He's a Bitcoin guy. To avoid alarm people, they suggest a boiling the frog strategy. Get people used to very small negative interest rates and rental fees, which is what most of Europe, Japan has done right now, where people are used to having bonds that are negative, you know, right. half percent, close to 1%, nothing crazy. But what happens when shit a the fan? Because shit is going to hit the fan, no matter what. No matter what the central banks think they can do, it's just human greed and greed, fear, and hope. It's a cycle. And, you know, what are they going to, you know, when shit really hits fan, are we are We're going to see countries start to crank it up to two, three, four, five 5% negative? Who knows? And, yeah, you know, I hope most people don't accept that, but you know, people don't really pay attention to stuff like this.
1: Right. I mean, this is, and this is, this is the game plan, right? You, you hit them with a ton of inflation, right? And nobody, nobody complains all that much, right? People are still, you know, not, Some people are riding in the streets, but they didn't, they didn't say it It was because of inflation. Um, you, you do that, right? So that's the hidden tax that nobody sees economy still being propped up. Okay. What next? And you, you go with this boil the frog strategy where you just little by little, right now you had negative rates start happening. Mm, Nobody said anything. They made a good case for it. They tried to tell you why it was fine, why it's, you know, not out of the ordinary, blah, blah, blah. And then you have this paper come out that is giving that guide on how to cut rates to basically try to save your economy and fight the recession. And if you think about 2008, the last rate cut, like it it, it didn't work, right? That was, they didn't do it in time or for whatever reason. Um, so the timing is eerily similar, right? We're about to see another cut here within the next couple of months. I'm assuming, um, does that end up being the trigger or will, will this cycle elongate where it's going to take more than one cut towards the end of the line here to, um, to send this thing kind of running. But you think that Japan has been pumping their own stock market by literally buying it. Um, does that mean there's still room left in the tank in the EU and the U.S. to do such a thing? And then if so, what does that mean for safe haven assets? And how do you prepare yourself for that?
0: Yeah, I, you know, the question is, is Trump going to be pissed that you know Japan's allowed to buy their stocks and the U.S. can't? I mean, that's, you know, like right. um, Japan's fucked. They have an aging population issue. They have their negative rates. The Bank of Japan is a top ten shareholder in over fifty percent of the Nikkei two hundred and twenty five, which is Japan's largest index. Um, it's not good, and like whenever you look at it, I am going to pull up the Nikkei two hundred and twenty five chart just because I just like to always show this chart because this is what happens when you when you get a really bad boom and bust cycle. Um, and I am just going to zoom the hell out here, but it, it's pretty sad. And Japan's like, Japan has never recovered from the 1990 peak um, and it's not either basically at the halfway point, they're just over it. Um, the index peaked around just below 40,000, 39,455 um, and now it's at 21,000 or 21,500. So there are consequences. And for those that think that the US stock market is just gonna keep going up for the next decade, it's not gonna happen. And the biggest issue is you know, you have so many people in the U.S. like boomers, especially, that are looking to retire that might have a few million dollars in an account, but if stocks go down, you know, just continue to go down for the next decade, those people aren't going to be able to retire. They're not going to be able to afford anything. Same with housing prices, you know, it's all bad. Um, and I had a conversation with some guys today at the bar about it, you know, like, because they're similar age, they're a little older than me, but like uh one guy's divorce and Talking about how like you know it's he had a house when he was married but now he doesn't have a house you know because just it's really hard to afford it and he was also talking about he was paying 900 dollars a month for student loans up until recently and now he's paying like 770 i was like i was like i don't even know how you do that dude like we we're just joking about it like that's that would be like you could have pretty much any car you wanted at 900 dollars a month or save it whatever you want to do with it we were just joking about what kind of cars you could have driven, you know. Um, nine hundred dollars yep. a month, which is absolutely insane. Um, I don't even want to. Oh god, that's so much money a year, dude. It's yeah, I mean, that's it's ten Gs a year at least. And yeah,
1: it, it's it's a lot, yeah. and when you think about people that are six digits in debt, um, which is like our generation, our whole generation, right? Like you can't you can't survive and pay a thousand dollars a month to pay off your loans, you know, you, you're you, people end up paying the minimum. And from what I understand, college debt is the one thing that isn't like erased from your, yeah, whatever. Like if you file for bankruptcy, like you still owe that. Right. So it's kind of like a, a weird debt trap that you have permanently. Um, and there will be a percentage that never make enough to ever pay that back, which really sucks. Cause they were duped into, you know, taking out a huge loan for, uh, an education that wasn't going to provide them with the skills necessary to earn a living, to pay back that loan. Um, that sucks. It really, really sucks. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, the other guy I was talking with, he was, he's 42 and he was like, he was like, yeah, my, my generation he was like, we were the first ones to be told by a high school guidance counselor. oh so, yeah, just take the, take the student loan. You don't think, you know just do this. And, you will you know, and he's like, it's crazy. I mean, like they just wrecked a whole generation completely here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, it was kind of like a, for when I was graduating high school, like it was a, you, you're going to college. It wasn't even a, you didn't even think twice about it. So it, I guess the generation before had it a little easier before prices of education got really out of control. And now it's just completely insane. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, like yeah, most schools, even in state, are, you know, twenty grand a year. And then we're talking out of state's absurd. Yeah, dude, it's it's a complete it's a complete joke. And you know what's gonna happen? The generations below us, they're they're not that dumb. Like they're not gonna go. They're gonna look and be like, my older brother or you know, my Uncle Jimmy fucking got in $200,000 in debt and took out a dumb fucking loan to learn a stupid degree and never paid it back. Like they're going to have examples, a ton of them in their life of people that they know most likely in their own family who will have gotten wrecked and they will not make that mistake. Like they're just not that dumb. Um, so I think they're going to be the ones to kind of tell everyone to fuck off. I hope. Oh, yeah. It's, you mean, know, it's, you know. That, that that's just my assumption that's just my assumption they're not they're they're gonna end up being more woke than i think we were because they're gonna have direct access to everything at their fingertips already like we were born kind of in that digital age like yeah. they're really in it like really <laughs> really in it
0: um anyone's and, younger than 10 has just had smartphones at their side their whole life right
1: yeah, and they're they're taking a deep dive on the web, and they're going to look for shit that interests them. And that's the, you know, they want to know. They want to know the truth. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. just interesting to see, you know, the whole, you have negative rates, you have this, you have that, you have things out of control, and... You know, we're sitting here shitposting and talking about Bitcoin and the whole thing, and it's just—it's wild. It really is wild. Yeah, I, as you as you noted, I think
0: in general for the um, for safe haven that's you know, it lands a interesting topic. But you could say gold, silver, any kind of precious metals, Bitcoin obviously is It doesn't have to be said, but it'll be interesting to see where this plays out. Um, in, you know, a situation where we hit negative rates and whatever, money printing, um, you know, if, if the money faucet shuts off, I, I think we'll definitely see a, um, a deflation. I was gonna say depression, but yeah, obviously depression too, but a deflation across all assets. I include Bitcoin, I include, there's a lot of things. I just think it's, I think it's inevitable. It would be it would be, be the white, right way to go around it because money printing will not solve our issues. It will only make things worse and much much worse um you know i've been reading this book when money dies by uh, adam ferguson it's just it's just mind-boggling that the, you know rudy havenstein um the director the president of the reichstag bank from 1908 to 23 or 24 or whatever he uh they just kept printing money they didn't they didn't think that was the issue they just thought it was exchange rates they literally kept printing money and then it got to the point where like people weren't accepting they said milliard, milliards, which is millions. People weren't accepting like mark notes, paper mark notes for less than like there were less than a million. so less than a million dollar note, really. They're a million dollar paper mark, whatever. Not a million dollar, a million paper mark. Um, and it's just, it is mind boggling. And like, people don't realize like if that happens in a day like like in a world like today where things are really so connected, prices just could keep going. Like when like. This is the 1920s, and prices were doubling, tripling, you know, going up all day long. You know, what happens when you have a digitally connected world where exchange rates are getting updated every, you know, millisecond?
1: I mean, that could. No, you're you're absolutely right. It seems like we're much more inter- interconnected now, yeah. digitally, and with you know, this the reserve world reserve currency being the dollar, and you know, things measured against it. Uh, it. I think you've kind of mentioned this before how we've like exported the inflation to other countries. Right. So we don't experience it as much. It's a, it, it, it's, it's a good point. And I think if you, I think I put this on my story today, something about like, if you don't think your country can experience hyperinflation, just like think again, it happens. It's unpredictable. Um, It happens suddenly and then all at once. So you know, that's it like that's that you're just gonna have to deal with it when it happens but um you know regardless we'll still be here shit posting talking about bitcoin making memes and uh living the dream talking about it i mean but well, um
0: i just want to keep running this podcast until the, the global financial system repeats 2008 so we can keep recording like as <laughs> shit is really hitting the fan Kind of fun
1: yeah it's a uh, it's you know we're just documenting what we're seeing and uh you know bitcoin kind of sparked this interest for me and that's that's what makes the whole thing really fun i wouldn't have cared about this otherwise yeah no it's it's
0: the next 12 months are gonna be fun again this is just gonna yeah, i'm from the scenes again where i'm like wow i really look for the next
1: 12 months and i just saving my money it's all day. i just saving my money Yep, stacking fiat and stacking sats. <laughs> just trying to it, just saving everything. So um it's it's
0: it's gonna be interesting. I like, I think even going into as we said, I might have mentioned the podcast, maybe I mentioned it before I started recording. The 2nd sec- we're in the second half of the year, it's gonna get fun. Yep. And summer's here fun asn't bad. So. Well well I just wanted to say thank you everyone for listening and uh let CH
1: give off the last of this here. Yeah, thanks for checking out the uh, this episode. This is episode 29 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, shoot us a DM. Let us know if you have any feedback. Um, and that's it, man. You leave us a review. On-